Hi, this is Robert Furrow and welcome to a special live hot topic and Q&A. This is TruthQuest podcast and you can get this podcast anywhere you subscribe for podcasts. I wanted to come on and give you a thoughtful response to the Roe versus Wade news and give you a biblical defense on this. We had a little bit of a technical difficulty, so we started over again. Hopefully this one is working. I guess we will wait and see. Now, what does it mean that Roe versus Wade overturned this decision? There's a lot of fear mongering out there, a lot of disinformation that's going on out there, but simply it means that it goes back to the states. And not only that, but the federal government has a right to be able to make this law. They've had all of this time. Roe versus Wade has been around for 50 years. They've had times when they've had the majority in the House, the majority in the Senate, and the President of the United States. And yet, they have not passed a law. And I think this is by design. I think they would rather hide behind the courts so that they don't have to debate law because that's what would happen. They would have to define terms like life and fetus and human and whether or not human rights are involved. I mean, there's a lot of things in our laws that are contrary. If, you, if, if, you're, if you're convicted of manslaughter by killing a woman who's pregnant, then you will be accused of two deaths. And yet, when it comes to taking the life of a baby in the womb, that's not considered to be a death. And so these kind of things would have to be debated in the Congress and in the Senate. And who knows where those debates would end. And now that it's gone back to the states, we are definitely gonna have the states that are gonna be debating these issues and coming up with their own laws. Now, there are gonna be some states that make it illegal. There are gonna be some states that are going to have it just as liberal as they possibly can. There are certain states that right now want to have it just as, want, want to have, be able to even take the life of a baby after it's born, infanticide. They really want to be able to do that. Now, if you're joining us here, I want to welcome you. If you have questions, we're going to do a couple of things here. First, I want to give my thoughts on what's happening with Roe versus Wade. Then I want to give a biblical defense that, that we as Christians can stand strong. And I wanna talk about how you can have conversations with other Christians who may be for this procedure and Christians who aren't, and then I want to take questions. So if you have questions, then write out your question, read it a couple of times, make sure it makes sense, put the word question in front of it, and um, we'll go ahead and look at it at the end of these, all right? So um, the United States, Canada, several others, others, a handful of other places had the most liberal laws when it came to this procedure. Places in Europe do not. It has to be before a certain time, and it hasn't hurt Europe. That we would be more thoughtful about what we do when it comes to this procedure in the United States, I'm not talking about the Christian stance now, I'm just talking about overall, that that is somehow going to ruin the world or kill women or stop the DNC process and women aren't going to be able to get help that they need and they're going to die because of it is all fear mongering. It's going back to the states and the states are going to have to make laws on how they're going to deal with it. And federally, get, let enough people 
vote in people for the Congress, the Senate, and the President to be able to pass a law. If you do that, you can even make it part of the Constitution if that's really what you want. Instead of just saying that it's part of the Constitution, you can make it part of the Constitution. Now, it's sent back to the legislators and that will be a good thing. But this is the issue of our day. There has been tens of millions of people killed since this thing happened. And oftentimes, it is those who are minorities that it's happening to. Because those that they say that are, are minorities are the most affected when Roe versus Wade is overturned, but minorities are also the ones that are targeted. And I use that term very carefully. But this is the issue of our day. There, if, if a baby in the womb is life, and that baby was created in the image of God and you kill it, then you have stopped life and that is the shedding of innocent blood and that is evil. I understand if you're against it and you're watching this now and you're getting really mad at me. If you're against, if you are, if you are for the procedure and you're listening to me, you're getting really mad at me. I know that you care about the girls for the most part, most of you. You do not want to kill babies. You, you care about the girls that are going to have their lives transformed. But we don't, we, we not only have, we don't just have two choices. That's a false narrative. We can help these women that are in crisis pregnancy and we can protect babies that are in the womb, lives, humans. If they are humans, then they have human rights. And so we need to come to the place where we can define what a fetus is. Now, um, what, 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 are we, what are we supposed to do if we believe that a baby is being killed? See, people will, will, will hate us for this, but ask, when I have an opportunity to talk to someone and I try to say, let's have a civil conversation about this, and I finally get to my part where they say, why do you believe this? And I simply say, because I believe that the fetus is a human. And I think humans are being killed. And it's a tragedy, a tragedy that is unparalleled like our time. So what do you expect me to do? If I am a decent human being, am I gonna let this go on without dealing with it? Or am I gonna handle it and deal with it? And that's exactly what we're doing as Christians. We're trying to deal with it. If you go back to the Holocaust, people say, I would have been those protecting the Jewish people, maybe. There, there's a lot of people not protecting babies today. You go back to chattel slavery, pre-antebellum slavery. It was awful. It was some of the worst slavery that there ever was. And half of the United States thought it was okay. So you think because half the United States thinks it's okay? And by the way, half the United States does not believe it's okay on demand at any trimester. It's far less than that. There's about 25% of the United States that thinks it should be available without any restrictions. That's really important to understand. But even if it wasn't, even if it was 10% that didn't want this to happen, that 10% would still be on the side of right. And as awful as slavery was for all of those years in the United States, the law of the land, it was wrong. And because it was wrong, it got overturned. The same thing with the Holocaust. It was wrong. And all of those people's lives being taken was wrong. And this, all of these lives that have been taken are wrong and we will stand on the side of right. And it's not that we want the girls to have to suffer that suddenly find themselves pregnant. No, we want to help them and maybe help them to not get into the situation. It isn't just 
have a baby or don't, it's be wise. Don't get into this situation. 45% of people that have this procedure, I've been told 45% of people that have this procedure have had it before. So it's being used for something other than what we are really think that it ought to be used for. And I believe this, again, is the issue of our day and we have to stand on it. Now, when I told someone that the law had passed or that the law was overturned, they told me that now women were going to die in hospitals because it was illegal to have DNCs. That is just fear-mongering. It's not true. And I've heard this several times since then. Christians coming out and saying that a woman is not going to be able to have a DNC. A DNC is a medical procedure that saves lives. And it's just fear-mongering to say that they're not going to be able to have those DNCs or that transgenders are next or that, that gay marriage is next. This has nothing to do with those. They can't make you outraged enough by saying Roe versus Wade has been turned over, so now it goes back to the states. And the United States Congress can write a law. That is going to outrage no one. So they have to have you outraged. So they come out with this misinformation to get you outraged about it. They get you away from the topic on whether or not this is right or wrong. If this, if this baby is made in the image of God and is in the womb, then it should be protected. It's the most innocent among us and should be protected. And we'll talk in a little while about rape and incest and the life of the mother. Which, by the way, the life, if the life of the mother generally, genuinely is endangered, then I think that we should do what we got to do to save the life. If both of them are going to die, then save one of them. So when it, when it says that there are a certain percentage of people that want, no, um, that want to restrict it always, I wouldn't fall in that category. Neither would most people. I would say that in some times it's, it's, it's right to do it when the life of the mother and the baby are going to die. Then go ahead and take the baby to save the mother. It's sad. It's awful. But the same thing would be true if you had a car, were in a car crash and you had to take one person and leave one behind and the one you left behind was going to die. You would take one person. We, would, we have to make decisions like this at times. Now, a good percentage of removing a baby out of the womb is a pill. And a lot of people don't know that, that it's a pill that's taken. But don't think it's this magic thing where you take a pill and now the baby's gone. There's a lot of trauma. There's things that have to happen if you think about it, especially if you're further along when you take this pill. And it causes these girls, I believe, what will be damaged, these women and girls damage that will be unspeakable. And so I think it's good for us to be coming back to this and to be dealing with this now. I do, I do believe that there is a lot of rhetoric today. And the, the thing about rhetoric, it works behind a Supreme Court ruling. You could say, my body, my, um, my, body, my choice. You can say, uh, that's between me and my doctor. But when you're debating it, you start going, is it? If I take my one-week-old baby to my doctor and say, I don't want this baby, and the doctor says, I agree with you, you can't kill that baby. You'd be brought up on charges. But if the baby's in the womb, you can do that. 
See, we can start discussing though that rhetoric. My body, my choice, is it your body? Or is it the body of another human that is inside of you? I was in my mom's womb. I have a different body than my mom does. And I'm glad that she chose to let me live. And I think there have been a lot of people that have lived. Now, a small percentage are of are the life of the mother, incest, and rape. I want to give you what are some of the percentages of these procedures that are taking place. Um, number there, okay, here we go. 21% are inadequate finances. 20% who get this procedure are inadequate finances. 21% are not ready for responsibility. So that's 42% already that are just not ready financially, not ready responsibility. 16% are women's life would be changed too much. 12% are problems with relationships, unmarried. 11% are too young or immature. 8% are children are grown, so they have all the kids that they want. 3% our baby has a possibility of health issues, just 3%. That's a small amount. 1% pregnancy caused by rape or by incest, and 4% are others. So these are the numbers they don't want you to know. They just want to start going right with you know, with rape, incest, life of the mother, and that, that women are going to die. And it's just not true. And it's not as significant as what they say. Also understanding that Planned Parenthood, the largest seller of this procedure in the United States, has located 80% of its clinics in minority neighborhoods, disproportionately targeting minorities for this procedure. And this is not by mistake. The foundations of this organization should be looked into. If you've never looked into the foundations of Planned Parenthood, then it's time to go look into it and to see what it was all about. Because there was a time when our nation during Jim Crow laws was really and truly racist in the, in the late 1800s and the early 1900s. Immediately after the Civil War, the freedman had so many rights, but they were taken away from them. And we won't even really get into that right now. Now I want to talk about how to have a thoughtful conversation because sometimes you're going to be talking to Christians that are upset. Uh, I have a family member stands on the opposite side of almost everything that I do. And this procedure is one of them as well. And they asked me why in the world I would vote for Trump. And I said, this is why it boils down to this topic for me. And can we talk about it? So I said, tell me first, why do you think this procedure should be available? And she talked about the girls. She didn't talk about killing babies. She didn't want to kill babies. She wanted to help the girls that were going through struggles. And she thought that it put a, ignored an, a, an extra weight on young women and girls that, had, that, that found themselves pregnant. Now, I don't like the term found themselves pregnant because again, there, we, can, we can be more thoughtful and careful and how we handle things. But finally, when it came back to me, my response was able to say, I believe that this child in the womb is a human. And therefore, it pains me deeply that this is happening all across the United States. And so you can have a thoughtful conversation by listening. You should always listen carefully, even if it's on this topic or any other topic. When you disagree with someone, listen to what they're saying and then repeat it back to them without building a straw man. I've done this. This is part of what I do when I'm having conversations with people that disagree with me. I say, well, tell me about it. 
And then I repeat it back without trying to exaggerate their position, making it so that I, I want them to go when I repeat it to them, yeah, that's exactly what I believe. And, um, and, and, and then share what you believe and maybe we'll be able to have some transformative conversations if we stop yelling at each other, if we stop making this about things that it's not and stay on task and stay on what the topic is. Also, I believe that we should help women. And I want to speak to Christians now. We should help women that are struggling. We should help women that are, are find themselves that, that are pregnant. We should help young families. We should support crisis pregnancy centers. If you're here in Tucson, we support Hands of Hope. It's a great crisis pregnancy center. They not only save babies, but they help women. And I've been involved with this for a lot of years, with Hands of Hope for a lot of years. And I've met a lot of women that have truly been, and a lot of families, young families, that have truly been helped because they really care. All right, now let's take some time to do a biblical defense. This is gonna take a few minutes. This might end up being a little bit longer video, but that's okay. I wanna do a biblical defense. What does the Bible say about this topic so that we can know what we believe? And I wanna go ahead and bring um, yeah, I want to go ahead and bring these scriptures up on the screen for you, and I want to read them to you. So I want to start with Jeremiah 1.5, and we're kind of going to just kind of go from there. So Jeremiah 1.5 says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Before you were in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. That means God knows us before we're even conceived, and then God sets us apart Why we're in the womb. This is a hard thing for Christians to ignore. Galatians 1.15 says, For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to pass. Again, how is it that we as Christians could read something like that? Your eyes saw my unformed body. My days were ordained for me. And think that a life is just something that can be thrown away. Listen to what it says in Job 10, 8 through 12. Your hands shaped me and made me. Did you not clothe me with skin and flesh and knit me together with bones and sinews? You gave me life. Let me give you another one. And that is Job 30, uh, yeah, Job 31. What did I just, I just read Job 31. Let me go back and read. Um, what do I got here? I got something different. All right, let me go back in here and read Isaiah. Um, did not he who made me in your womb make them? Did not the same one from us make you within our mothers? So God is the one who gives life. God is the one who creates life. And as Christians, we really ought to go to the place where we protect life within the womb. Let me go ahead and read. Let me read Job um, 10, 8 through 12. I don't know if I've got that one up here. It says, this is what the Lord says. He made you who formed you in the womb. God made you and formed you in the womb. This is God's business in doing this. Psalms 127.3 says, I see what I'm doing here. I'm reading things, am I reading things backwards? Um, yeah, I think I'm reading things backwards. 
I think that these are before. Let me just let me just check this really quick. I, I just want to see. Nope, it's after. All right. So I just thought I'm, I'm reading the wrong references with it. So let me go back to um, Psalms 127.3. He even calls our children his own. For he took your sons and daughters whom you bore to me and sacrificed them. You slaughtered my children. So God says, talking about the children being sacrificed to Molech, you sacrificed my children. So my... Um, yeah, he even calls his children his own. So this is, that's Ezekiel 16, uh, 20 and 21. Let me read Psalms 127, 3. I'll get this straight, all right? I'm going to bail out of my notes, and I'm just going to go ahead and use this over here. Psalms 127, 3. He even calls our children his own. He took your sons and daughters whom you bore to me and sacrificed them and slaughtered them. That's, <laughs> that's Ezekiel. Let me go back to Psalms 127. Because man is made in God's own image, each life is great value to God. Children are a gift from God, the Bible says. All right, um, let's go ahead and go to Job 12.10. The Bible says our creator is his, our creator in his hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of every human being. So again, how important. And I want to just make sure that we take time to go over these passages because these passages are often ignored. So this, this next one is Jeremiah 7, 6. And it says, God, the giver of life, commands us not to take life of an innocent person. Do not shed innocent blood. And how important is that, that we don't shed innocent blood? Deuteronomy, and then cursed is the man who accepts a, um, who accepts a bribe to kill an innocent person. And there are people that are pushing for people to take money to be able to take the life of these innocent people. Exodus 22, 13, you shall not murder. Yeah, I'm going down to the very basics. I wanted to make sure that this was thorough. Um, taking the life of an unborn is clearly murder. It says in Jeremiah 22, 10, he didn't kill me in the womb with my mother as my grave. Again, Jeremiah, he didn't kill me in the womb with my mother as a grave. We see the biblical perspective here is clearly that the womb should be a place of protection and a place for the innocent. In, um, let's see, Exodus. All right, let me, um, let me go ahead here and get to some of my other notes. All right, so in, in Exodus, and let me get these this up here too. In Exodus 21, 22 and 23, there is a, there is an event in the law that people say actually makes abortion okay. But when you read it in the original language and in, in, in most Bibles, it doesn't use the term miscarriage. Let me read you what it says, and then I'll tell you how they use this. Uh, if it says, if men fight and hurt a woman with child so that she gives birth, and in some translation that says, so she miscarriages, but the idea is that she gives birth prematurely, yet no harm follows, meaning the baby doesn't die. The baby is born prematurely, but the baby doesn't die. He shall surely be punished according as the woman's husband imposes on him, and he shall pay the, as, as, as the judge determines. But if there's further harm, it goes on to say, 
than an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth and a life for a life. And so they tried to say that the baby's miscarried and died, and if the woman gets further hurt, then it's an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But that's not what the passage says. The passage is talking about if the baby who is prematurely born dies, the one who is miscarried dies. Remember, we're talking Hebrew languages here, so we're trying to take English words and connect them to them. Then, then um, that, that woman would be protected. Listen to what it says in Genesis 2, 7. And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Now, I bring this up because they use this and say that life came into Adam when God breathed into him, and life comes into a baby when a baby has breath breathed into them. This was Bill Clinton's position. However, life is already in the womb. That baby is breathing in and out amniotic fluid at a certain point in its life. It is human from the beginning. It's in the process of being alive. When God formed Adam, he had no life in him. And then God breathed his life into Adam, and then it went on from there. Life was passed on to child, to child, to child. Not every child has God breathe on them to receive life. It is a misuse of this passage. Now, let's just take a look at a couple of more, and then we'll get some questions. We'll look at some questions. Uh, let's take a look at Psalms 139, 13 through 16. Uh, I think I read that one already. So let's go ahead and go on to ex Exodus. Um, yeah, I read that already too. Let's go on to um, Genesis 2, 7. I already read that one too. All right. So all of these will help us to understand that this is a really strong biblical position that we are in, that we have come to the place where we can defend what we believe and not have to go back to where we feel like as Christians, we can't defend it. A while back, I had a friend of mine who posted that you, there's no way you could defend over this procedure as a Christian. And he got so many responses that were defending many of the verses that I read to you just now that he had to actually take his post down because it is so incredibly defendable. All right, so um, I wanna come back and start with the questions that we got from the very beginning. And if you're joining us here today, really glad that you're here. If you have a question, then write the word question out, then write out your question and then reread it a couple of times. Make sure that it makes sense. Um, we'll take all your questions as long as they're said in a, in a decent way. The only ones that we won't take and we'll remove is if they aren't said in a decent way. So there are some guidelines, all right? So, um, I, I, Denise, I'm going to just take questions about Roe v. Wade right now. That's what I'm uh, about this procedure right now. That's what I'm doing. So, um, the Sodom and Gomorrah issue, there is a new video out with an archaeologist by Sean McDonald. Look it up, Sean McDonald. Um, Sodom and Gomorrah. It's an hour-long video with this archaeologist. It's amazing, all right? So um, Matthew Vick says, hey, Matthew, good to see you, um, says, before Roe versus Wade, several states had laws banning abortion, uh, banning the procedure. Will the old laws go back in effect? There are certain states that are going to ban them, yes. And there are certain states that are going to go just as liberal as they can with this procedure as they possibly can do. Uh, that's what it does. But remember, again, Matthew, this takes, all it does is take it out from the preview of the courts and put it in the hands of the legislators. That's all this does. 
and they don't want to legislate it because then they have to debate it. And if you have to debate it, then you might lose the debate. And, and, and if you lose the debate, then certain senators that are on the edge, certain congressmen and women that are on the edge are going to go, well, I'm not going to vote for it because you have to debate it. It can be made the law of the land. They can do, they can make it, uh, they can do a constitutional amendment if they want to. That's the way it should be done. They want to call it the law of the land. Don't let it be done on a weak law. And Ruth Bader Ginsburg said it was a weak law. And I think this procedure was six to three. I said five to four last night and someone corrected me six to three. And it's weak. So stop standing behind it and pass laws. If you think this really is really dangerous, the most dangerous thing for women, then pass laws. But let's, but, but in that debate, there's going to be found that there's a lot of protection for babies as well. All right. So thank you for your question. Uh, good to see you. So Beth says, now that Roe v. Wade has been overturned, what can we as a church and believers do in, state, in our state to be more effective to ban this procedure altogether? Um, thank you for your question, Beth. Um, and uh, I want to say, first of all, that this battle isn't over. And that's why this being banned hasn't brought me great glee because it doesn't stop it from happening in the United States. It is a step in the right direction for sure. It is going to save tens of thousands, maybe even millions of babies over time. And we're going to have to go back to being more responsible and not using this procedure as some kind of birth control and, and be more responsible to make sure it doesn't happen. And I think that we continue on in this fight that we make known what we believe. We, we should be the defender of the innocent. I know people want to make this, if you guys know me, I'm not a political person. I believe in teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, but I have always believed, and I've talked about this a lot in the church, and you guys in Calvary Tucson know this. I've talked a lot about this over the years and brought it up in messages and had people get up and walk out during messages when we bring it up because I believe that we are supposed to defend innocent life. And this, again, is the issue of our day. So we should stay engaged. We should help the crisis pregnancy centers. Um, we should vote for people that are gonna, that are gonna be our, our desire, our, our position. We should vote them in. And you should support the crisis pregnancy centers. You should help people that you know that find themselves pregnant and in trouble. Help support them, help them financially. Let's, as Christians, not be hypocrites and say, well, now that's gone, good thing, and then we don't reach out and help. We ought to really reach out and help, and I want to say that many Christians support crisis pregnancy centers that help not only babies survive, but help women that are in crisis pregnancy. Many Christians were involved in the abolition movement that stopped slavery. It was, it was, it was a lot of Christians that did that. And many Christians are involved in this to stop it from happening. So yeah, we should continue. And also, I mean, we shouldn't think that if the Congress doesn't get, if the Congress doesn't get a majority and the Senate, if the, if the Congress gets a majority and the Senate gets a majority of people that desire this procedure to be legal and a president who desires it to be legal, it could become the law of the land. And that's legitimate. No one can come in later on and overturn it. 
At that point, it becomes the law of the land. And if you think that's what this is, then that is exactly the way that it should have been worked out. All right. So if you have any more questions, if you're joining us now, just joining us, you can go back and watch the beginning of this video video as I talked about my thoughts on Roe versus Wade and then gave a biblical defense. Got a little confused on what scriptures were what, but you'll be able to see them. They're all up on the screen and you'll be able to look them up and see them. We'll also have timestamps underneath in this video in a little while and you'll be able to go to those passages. Sorry, by the way, um, to the mods for making that more difficult. And I wanna thank the moderators for being here today. Um, I'm gonna close if I don't get any more questions here, I'm gonna close by saying this is the issue of our day and we should be involved in it. And we should use everything that we can to save these innocent lives because they're killing babies. They're killing babies. And I'm not calling them baby killers who want this procedure to be legal. I'm just saying that's what's happening. And it ought to break our hearts it ought to cause us to cry out to God. It ought to cause us to get involved. This ought to reignite us that we can really win this. That just as there was slavery at one time, slavery was outlawed and there's no longer pre-antebellum slavery or chattel slavery in the United States. There's still slavery and that's really unfortunate. And even, even more so today uh, than, than ever before because of our open borders and a lot of the sex trade that's going on. And we ought to be concerned about those things as well. And I realize some of these move over into political arenas, but I still think the best way to see people, uh, to, to, to rescue people is the gospel of Jesus Christ to spread. More and more people getting saved, more and more people voting in the people that are right in their own positions. All right. So um, thank you very much. I appreciate you guys. Um, just looking back over here to see if we had any other questions that I missed um, other than the ones about uh, Roe v. Wade. All right. So again, thank you guys for joining us on this special live hot topic and Q&A. I love you. I hope the Lord blesses you. Stay close to Christ. We've got a service here in a while, and um, we're going to be looking at Jesus making a statement and proving that the Messiah would be God. It's in Luke chapter 20. I look forward to covering uh, that pas that, that um, I look forward to covering that passage with you. Question just came in from Kimberly. Um, can you explain shadow slavery sometime? Yes, I would love to. Um, I, as I told you before, I'm not sure of the term. So I need to go back and look it up and just have been massively busy in preparing studies and getting things together and I'm um, responding to certain things. So we will do that. All right. So God bless you guys. Stay close to Jesus. Um, have conversations with people around you, open, honest conversations and be loving. Don't, don't be, don't put this in people's face as some kind of, of a victory, kind of taunt them with it, but have real conversations and maybe we can win them over if they can see what your position is and what their position is. Because I think the logical aspect is if you are concerned about these women, there's another way to come alongside and help them without taking the life of the child. We have one more question from um, Ashley. Ashley says, do you think being a pro-choice Christian is, um, is antithetical to Christ and Christianity? Um, 
Yes, I do. I do. I am. What does that mean about a Christian who is not, you know, that, that believes this procedure should be legal? I think that they, you need to do a little more research. You need to see what it says in the Bible. And the Bible is our guide. It's what equips us. It's what brings doctrine. And, and the passages that I went over, I gave you enough passages, even though I might have them a little confused, you can go back and you can read them. They'll be up on the screen. And you can see that these passages clearly tell us that God is the one who places us in the womb and that we are literally pl playing the place of God. It'd be like taking children's life lives. We're, we're, we're playing God by taking these lives. All right. So God bless you guys. Love you guys. We can be able to spend time together in this live hot topic. I look forward to our next live Q&A, our live hot topic, whatever it ends up being, depends on what's going on out there. All right. Uh, we had a little bit of technical difficulty. This is supposed to start at three, start at 3.15. I think some people probably got booted out, but we were able to restart it and get on and do this thing. All right. So love you guys. I'm out. God bless you.